The great outdoors is nothing short of beautiful, serene, and absolutely relaxing. But something about Mother Nature that I feel most people neglect to realize is that it's also incredibly brutal, horrific, and downright evil at times. Today, we're going to be sharing some of those stories sent in by viewers of the show just like you. These stories are gonna be creepy, they're gonna be weird, and they're gonna be downright unexplainable to an extent. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Now, be sure to slap that like button, subscribe if you're new, and get ready for these creepy and downright strange and allegedly true outdoors horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. Mountain Climbing in Hawaii by Mackenzie M. I am 19 years old and I live on the island of Oahu. I know many native Hawaiians do not take kindly to non-native residents, but I'm here for college, not to trash up the place. After all, I'm studying to be a geologist. This story took place when I was around 18 years old in my freshman year. I didn't know any better at the time, but two of my friends, who will remain anonymous, were seeking a thrill over Christmas break. So we decided to climb the Haiku Stairs, better known as the Stairway to Heaven. When I mention the Stairway to Heaven, it will be the abbreviation STH. For anyone unfamiliar with STH, it is an illegal hiking path, and this is due to its hazardous terrain and weather patterns. Anyone who gets caught hiking it is automatically fined $1,000. At the time, recreational weed was illegal, but we were stupid teenagers, and before we started our assertion, we decided to roll a blunt and get toasted. When we started climbing, it was fun at first. We all had a nice ganja buzz. About two hours into our walkout, the buzz faded, and we got sleepy. We did not have the equipment to set up camp on the side of the mountain, so we pushed through it. Two hours later, we finally reached the top of the peak. We were in absolute awe. All the energy we had lost flew right back in as we looked at the vast island of Oahu below us. We ate our lunch that we had packed while we were smoking up a little more grass. We were now due a four-hour descent, and we were looking forward to it. We may be looking forward to our beds back on campus, but about 30 minutes looking into our descent, my friend had to go to the bathroom. We stopped on the trail so she could take a couple of yards off the trail to go do her business. My other friend and I were watching the tree that our friend was behind when out of the bushes behind my friend walked this filthy lady. She was covered in moss and dirt. It was as if she had been living in the forest for years without a shower. The woman walked up to my friend, and just as I was about to say something to the woman, my friend slammed her hand over my mouth. She whispered to me, You say anything, and she'll take you too. Which was contradictory as she was just talking. But I listened as I watched the dirty woman. The dirty, cold skin holding a death grip on my friend's wrist. My friend was screaming and trying to escape the woman, but my other friend held me back as we both sobbed. The next moment, my friend was gone. I was in shock. The deep feeling in my stomach settled into a grueling pain. My one surviving friend ushered me to start walking back down. We started running. What would have taken us three and a half hours to walk 
we got done in only an hour. When we got back to campus, my friend explained everything. I forgot to mention that she is native of Oahu and is familiar with the rich Hawaiian folklore. She told me that what had taken our friend was the Green Lady. She had lost her children in the woods and was spending eternity wandering the forest of Oahu looking for her children. I was in disbelief. I was never superstitious, nor did I believe in cryptids. But ever since my friend went missing that day, I, I believe... We reported her as missing the next day, claiming she was kidnapped. What else were we going to tell them? A monster took our friend? We also owned up to our exploration of the illegal STH, and yes, they fined us $1,000 each. They sent out a search and rescue team, and for two weeks they were scouring the forest looking for our friend. But only a few signs showed up. The story's moral is if you're planning on going somewhere illegal, just remember it's illegal for a reason. With no update, it's been quite a few years since our friend went missing. I implore you to be safe while hiking and not do anything illegal, as we did a lot of law-breaking that day. The outcome was far less than desired. Be safe, and thank you, Swamp Dweller, for telling my story. Eastern Kentucky Backcountry By Ridge Runner 606 Hello, you can call me D. I'm a local to the Appalachian Mountains in eastern Kentucky. Growing up in the mountains, you learn a lot about the outdoors and how to enjoy them, until you don't. It was a fall afternoon, and my dad and I were preparing to go sifting after we spotted a shelter about two miles back in the mountains while hunting for ginseng a few weeks prior. We packed our shovels and shakers and left for the trek back to the shelter, we scouted the area, everything was untouched, so we were the first to dig this shelter. The first two hours of digging and sifting were uneventful, until I saw something on my sifting screen that I'll never forget, clear glass-looking beads of various sizes and colors. Bewildered at my find, my dad ordered me to bury them back and pack them up for the day. Fast forward to arriving home, I'm tired yet I can't get those beads off of my mind. Why, why couldn't I just keep them? That night I had terrible nightmares. Some may call it sleep paralysis. It was a native man, with white and black war paint adorning his face, a tattered, feathered-worn bonnet, and a single sharpened horn of a deer as a weapon. He glared at me from the shadows, firmly holding the horn. This has been a reoccurring nightmare since I was a teenager. I'm 30 years old now, and I still think about this all the time. If anybody listening has any idea, please let me know. The Drumming Sound by Shay Warning, this story does contain details of graphic violence. If you are queasy or do not wish to hear things like this, please be sure to skip forward. I'm writing to let everyone know that there's a real evil in the world, but I believe there's something beyond this life. This comes from my own experience, which I genuinely wish had never happened. I have been a stay-at-home mom and a caregiver for almost 10 years. In November, I finally got a job cleaning offices in Tennessee, Rogersville to be exact. I could clean these buildings alone every night. I didn't really mind, to be honest. I would listen to Swamp Dweller while I cleaned. 
On the night of December 6th, I was heading home on a long, dark road. My truck started to smell strongly like gas, so I decided to pull over and take a look. Now, I'm a 5 foot, 1 inch female. I'm tiny. I pulled over as close as I could to some sort of civilization, but it was pitch black. I used my phone to look under my truck, but as I was getting a good look underneath, I began to hear footsteps. I looked up and saw a man approaching me. I grabbed my phone from the ground and the man was in front of me before I could even react. The man grabbed a lanyard around my neck and began twisting it around in his hand. It got tighter with every turn of his wrist. The lanyard started to cut into the back of my neck. He threw me to the ground and jumped on me. He was choking me the entire time. I saw his fist coming and, and I braced for impact. Time stopped. I remember feeling the cold grass on my shoulders and the sound of rain dripping off the trees. I could feel my heartbeat slow. Then, everything went black. There was no sound, no light, absolutely nothing. I started to feel hands grabbing at me, pulling me. I saw gray shapes moving through the darkness. Faces started appearing. These faces had no eyes and long, dark mouths in the forms of a scream. One look became very clear. The eyes were hollow. The black eye sockets, staring empty into my soul. I was just hoping anyone would help me, and I realized what I was looking at. It was a dark hood, no eyes and a soulless gaze. It was death himself. I started to hear a rhythmic drum sound. It was faint at first, and then louder and louder. The darkness began to turn to a red, sunset-like scene. I thought I was dead. I saw a tree that then turned into a forest. The location was morphing into a vast mountain range. I saw people standing at the base of the mountain. They were yelling in a different language, but I just knew what they were saying. Get up. Get up. I felt my body tense up. Every muscle felt like it contracted. I could feel my fingernails digging into my hands. The drums became so loud that I felt them in my chest. The red sky started to get brighter. The people stopped yelling and came running at me. They picked me up from the ground and lifted me to the sky, and as soon as they let go I woke up. I saw the man's face. He had let go of the lanyard and attempted to remove my pants. I pulled my knees up into his groin as hard as I could. I lifted him off the ground. He rolled off into the ditch. I jumped up, grabbed the door of my truck, and I got the gun from the center console and pointed it at him. He looked as if he had seen a ghost. He ran for his life. I returned to my truck and just watched the rain hit my windshield. While I was sitting there in the darkness, I started to hear the drums. They were faint. I finally got myself together and called the police. When the police arrived, the officer said something that would have stuck with me for the rest of my life. He said, Most people never experience what you just did. You stared death in the face and walked away. I have Native American ancestors from different areas of the country. I'm a native melting pot. Maybe my ancestors came to help me. I hope that was the case. If it was them, I would be forever grateful. So remember, the scariest, most dangerous monsters aren't always cryptids. Humans are sometimes the worst monster of all.
Oregon High Strangeness by Lamar A. My name is Lamar. I am currently 15 and live in the state of Oregon, and what I'm about to share with you is 100% real. You have the choice of not of believing me, I guess, but I could add you to the list. I'm sorry I'm getting off topic. My first encounter with what I believe to be the Wendigo happened when I was 13 years old. I was on a hunting trip with my grandfather, Wayne. He is a retired army vet. The reason I'm telling you this will come into play later. We were out hunting rabbits and hares, because I thought the only way to become a man was to go out hunting. My mom forced me to do it anyway. She said I was too much of a shut-in, sitting on my Xbox too much, and I ended up getting a lecture about how when she was my age she would be outside, yada yada yada. So as soon as my grandfather had brought it up, she jumped at the opportunity to get me out of the house. To be honest, it was quite fun except for the not showering for a week. We were winding down for our last night there, only being able to snag three rabbits, mainly because I'm such a bad shot. The sun was setting, so we decided to hit the hay in our all-too-big and expensive tent made for six, even though I was only 5'10 at the time, and he's probably 5'11, but I guess he needed his space. It was around 2am. I only remember this because I had snuck my phone out when my mom wasn't looking. When we started noticing strange noises, like something heavy stomping around our camp, we noticed a horrid smell, like rotted meat and dead skunk. We thought maybe it was the rabbit, but my grandfather told me there is no way that the rabbits would smell that bad. It took everything in our power not to start gagging, and for me, it takes a lot to make me gag. I am a teenage boy with two dogs but the smell even made my eyes start to water. My grandfather also reminded me the rabbits were outside, so the thought had popped into my head that the noises could be a bear perhaps, but my grandfather shut that down. He said, there is no way that is a bear. I almost soiled myself. What could be that big? I am no hunting expert, but I am pretty sure no other animal could be that big. My grandpa told me to stay while he checked it out. He looked outside of our tent's window, and then I saw his eyes bulge with what looked like fear. As if he could read my mind, he put his hand over my mouth to shush me. I had then gotten frustrated with him and moved his hand off my face and asked him what was going on. He then looked at me with fake calmness and said, Grandson, that is no bear. I got tired of hearing that and went to go see what he had seen. I lifted the flap of the tent window, and I began to look out. I even laughed a bit, as when I looked in the direction of where he was looking at, all I saw was a pair of antlers sticking out of the bushes. I even attempted to put it on Snapchat to show everyone how my grandpa is with jokes but my phone dies, which makes me angry because I have nothing to keep me entertained for the car ride back to Portland, all the way from Eastern Oregon. I was cursing myself for not turning it off during the trip to conserve power. But while I'm doing that, the thing that I thought was some sort of buck or elk started to rise. Then, I got a good look at the face that was carrying those antlers. 
The first thing I saw was those cold, dead, hungry red eyes. Then the whole face. Dear God, I wish I had not seen that thing. It had like a skull face, but it was like sort of like a canine. It had black matted fur that threatened to fall off with the slightest touch. This thing suddenly stood higher. Then I saw the rest of it. Long, slender arms with claws on each of its hands. Bones that threatened to tear its skin with the slightest wrong movement. Then I noticed that the teeth, those teeth, could tear flesh from anything if it wanted to. I was so scared, I even started crying. My grandfather pulled me down and kept asking me over and over if it saw me. My grandfather told me the only thing I could say was Wendigo. He said I was in a trance, like, like he'd just never seen before. He tried to get me to snap out of it, and he just could not. I kept repeating the same term over and over. One thing that got me to snap out of it, though, was the inhuman screech. And what I heard is nothing like I hear people say. It's hard to even imagine. It's like an eagle screech but its screech would make its throat start to rip and tear, and then mix it with a man screaming in agony. It's a sound that is so inhuman that I don't know how to explain it. Then we heard it leave the bush and enter our camp. It then let out another screech which made me cover my head and fall to the ground crying. My grandfather was not able to get as good of a view as I had, so we silently zipped down the tent and peeked outside. When he did... He immediately zipped it back up. My grandfather came back with the most terrified look on his face. This freaked me out even more because my grandfather had watched his best friend get murdered, had seen people burned alive after they were hit with napalm. He is a 200 pound man of nothing but muscle and I've never seen fear in his face. We then remembered we had left our rabbits right by our tent. Then we heard it coming our way and I could see the shape of it. This thing was most likely three feet taller than us at the very least. I then heard it start to crunch and tear the rabbits apart outside, which makes me think that maybe that's all at once. It then crunched loudly and it made me whimper, which caused the creature to raise its head and let out a deafening screech. At that point, I could not take it anymore and broke down crying for my mother. The creature then started circling the tent it would sometimes flinch at us, like it was playing with us. Which made me angry. This thing was trying to play with its food before eating it. It's like we were toys and enjoyed our suffering. It could easily cut through our tent to get us. But what were we going to do with our metal BBs and measly hunting knife? We went hunting, and now we have become the hunted. What comes next will stay with my mind forever and the remainder of my life. This thing cut through our tent and put its head inside. My grandfather immediately went into protective mode and put me behind him. I was too much of a coward to investigate the face of death, but my grandfather had the heart of a lion in that moment. He took a knife and put it in his hand and he was ready to fight. All I could do is cry into his back. He then made a ballsy move and took his eye off the monster in front of us to tell me he is sorry and that he loves me. I looked at him, and then 
went back to crying and told him in between breaths that I loved him too. The creature seemed to be annoyed at this point and attempted to get its hands through. And when it did, my grandfather let out a yell and stabbed its hand which made the creature rear back in pain and let out yet another screech. The creature was beyond angry and was about to go in for another round. But the sun had started to rise and the creature had slowly backed away and headed back into the brush, but then turned around and looked through the hole it had created. I swear it smiled at us, as if to say this was not over. It then retreated into the forest, and I have never seen it since. My grandfather had sprung into action leaving over $1,000 of gear behind and pulled me all the way to our car. He did not even put on his seatbelt as he floored it out of there. We did not start talking until we were on the freeway back home, and he asked in a calm voice, did I know what that thing was? To which I said no, and he explained all about the Wendigo. Honestly, like I said in the beginning, I don't care if people believe this encounter, because I know it's true. I will be submitting another story on another day, and I hope you guys enjoy this. Carson National Forest Monster by Anonymous My brother-in-law just heard this story this past Christmas and he has been telling my sister and I that we should share it somewhere. And what better place than the swamp? My family has some property that backs up to the Carson National Forest in New Mexico. It has been in the family for years and my sister and I both spent our summers up there. It is gorgeous. Well, it is for people who lived out in far west Texas. It was nice and green, cool mountain air in the summer. It was always a relief to get up there and get away from a dusty ranch. My dad was ex-military and having two daughters, let us just say we did lots of outdoor stuff. He taught us survival skills and how to defend ourselves. We hunted and fished and did lots of camping and hiking. To us, it was always a fun time but I guess he felt the need to pass skills to us. We spent several weeks in the summer up there hiking with him and exploring the old cabins, mining communities, and checking out the big ditch project that was built for the Red River back in the late 1800s. I think that's the right date or something, but I am unsure. Anyways, it is a great place to hike with some beautiful high mountain lakes, streams, lots of wildlife, etc. This happened when I was in college, and my younger sister was still in high school. My dad was still at home, having to work, and would come up every few weeks to spend time with us. We were up there with our mom, and she mainly spent time in town or around the property painting. We spent our time on the jeep trails, or hiking, or sleeping. It was late June, maybe early July, and we had decided that we were going to hike up to the Lost Lake. It is one of my favorite lakes up there, because if you look at it from a certain angle, it looks like a heart. We set off in the morning, and we were prepared. We both had a small pack, our water, some snacks, and we both had a small hammock we planned to set up once we got to the lake, so we can enjoy the area for a while. I will admit to being an outdoor type, and I swear, when it's quiet enough, you can even hear the trees talking. We also always carry a knife when we hiked. My dad always insisted we have something, just in case an accident happened, or we just needed it. The hike was going well, 
Since the summer cabin is far up the valley, we just set out on a foot to the trailhead. To get to Lost Lake, you take another trail that goes up to Middle Fork Lake. Then you break off that trail for Lost Lake. We run into a few other hikers, but they are going to Middle Fork Lake, and we were pleased because it would look like we would have the lake to ourselves. It is a good hike with some long switchbacks at the end, but totally worth it because the lake is just beautiful and an emerald green color. We finally arrived and saw that we did have the lake to ourselves. We hiked around the lake and decided to hike back a bit to find a good spot to set up our hammocks. We walked into the tree line and the first thing my sister did was say, Do you smell that? And indeed I did. It was a dead animal for sure, with the strong scent of blood. We had both done lots of hunting and we knew the smell pretty well. And that is when I saw it. It was a deer carcass. But what was around it is what disgusted me. Placed around the deer carcass in a circle were its organs, entrails, etc. But it was not like it was being cleaned. It was like they were placed there in certain arrangements. With just piles of rocks in between everything. Like small little statues almost. Now I know how some people get disgusting with their kills. And I have had some guys try to gross me out. But I do not fall for crap like that. But this made me uneasy. It was just not being cleaned. It was like it was set up in a certain meaning. Or maybe it had a meaning all its own. I stepped back from this weird circle. And when my sister starts to say my name, but stops. Because then we see the guy who had done this. And he looks like he climbed out from inside the deer. Because he is covered in blood and does not have much clothing on. At first, I thought he did not have anything on, but honestly, I did not try to check him out much. He was standing back away from his gruesome little circle, just standing close to a group of trees that were close together. He was maybe 20 feet or so from us. I think he was maybe trying to hide? Not for sure, but my dad had always taught us that if we ever found ourselves in a situation where we did not feel we were in control to do everything in our power to take control of the situation. Do something that is going to take the other person by surprise. Do not do something they would expect you to do. So, this was raging through my brain, and I could also tell my sister was about to freak the heck out. So I stepped up and yelled, Hey, fairly good kill you got there. Did you use a bow? The guy just stood there, his eyes all crazy wide like he was stoked out of his brain on planet Pluto or something. So, I'm thinking, great, we ran into a guy getting his hunt on, and he had lost it, and now he's getting blood crazy with his deer. He was staring me down, and I was staring right back, and my sister was getting ready to run. I still don't know what came over me, but I then put my hand on my knife that I kept on my waist just to show him that I was not completely helpless. I do not know why I did it, but something told me to let him know I was not going to back down or be afraid. I kept eye contact with him, and I would guess he was maybe in his early 30s, but I am bad at guessing people's ages. He was pretty dirty though. You could tell that even with all the blood he had everywhere, he had not showered in quite some time. I start to back off and my sister had moved behind me, so I spoke again and said, So, I hope you have a great hunting day. Again, the crazy guy didn't say a thing just stood there like a statue or something, or like he thought I couldn't see him if he didn't move or make any sound. 
we moved back to the lakeside again and booked it around the lake. My sister stayed up front, and she was shaking bad. I was mainly angry at first because if he wanted to get all crazy in the woods with this deer, then he should have gone further back up into the forest. We get back to the trailhead and stopped to get our bearing and looked at each other. I was scanning the forest line to make sure we were not being followed, and my sister was just in shock. We started down the trail pretty fast and I was hoping I could keep my sister together until we could at least reach the Middle Fork Lake Trail, or that we would even run into some more hikers. But the odds were not good on this trail because you must get an early start on Lost Lake Trail, and by now it was late morning and early afternoon. We were making good time and had not discussed what we saw, just started hiking back down. I started to get that feeling when you just know you're not alone. I kept checking, but I did not see a single thing, or even hear anything at first. My sister refused to look back and just kept going, but I felt like I had to keep checking to make sure that idiot was not following us. That is when the first stuff came flying at us. It was like small pebbles, but it really made me angry because it was obvious somebody was throwing them at us, and it could have only been him. My sister was almost running at this point, but I am a mouthy smart aleck. I blame the Texas upbringing, and darn it, this was my forest. I had grown up here, and these were my lakes, my trails, and I was not about to let some crazy dude ruin it for me. I started yelling back that he needed to go back to his deer and leave us alone. At this point, my sister is telling me to shut up and just come on, and I am thinking, no way, this guy is just trying to scare us. The pebbles stopped, and then we started hearing barking and growling noises. My sister said, now he's growling at us? And I just told her to get on down the trail and ignore it. He was behind us pretty much the whole way, growling and making these barking noises occasionally, but I never caught a glimpse of him. Once we got close enough to where the trail joined with the Middle Fork Trail, he seemed to back off. I never caught sight of him from behind us, but I could hear him, and I just knew he was there. We started down the rest of the trail. My sister refused to stop or look behind her, so I kept checking every so often. I did not see anything or hear anything. We started to discuss what had happened, and she felt like he was a very sinister and not good guy. She had felt like we had been in a very dangerous situation, and I felt like he was just getting kicks out of scaring two girls. I mean, he had to have heard us coming around the lake. We weren't being quiet. It was the opposite, because there are black bears up there, and... We would always be pretty loud while hiking, hoping to scare off any bear in the area really, so we wouldn't come up on one. To this day, she still thinks he was sinister, and I still think he was just trying to scare two girls and was getting his kicks out of it. We told our parents, and my dad did not like what he heard at all. He did teach us some more up-close defense skills after that day, and forbid us from ever hiking alone or just the two of us again. We did not hike up that trail for several years. Honestly, it freaked my sister out, and I just did not like remembering a time that I was scared in the forest. I didn't know it at the time, but after we had gotten back to the house and told my mom, she had called some neighbors and a few of the men hiked up there the next day to check things out. They did find the deer carcass and some empty hiking packs. They also found a rustic campsite further back in the woods that had been cleared out as well. They found some empty hiking packs as well that day hikers use. It's not that creepy, I guess, but 
Pretty strange, nonetheless. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true outdoors horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to punch that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it to fresh new eyes, and that helps the swamp grow its ever-expanding waters. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Subscribe and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode as we upload them almost every single day, and all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours to help keep this show going on a daily basis. Thanks, as always, for supporting the swamp the way you do. I will see you all soon with another creepy episode.